going to just talk to you a little bit about uh, just a bit of a topical idea, the power of altars. So this is an old stone altar from ancient uh, Israel, Palestine. And as you see, it's just made of stones. And I'm going to talk to you today about the whole idea of altars. And I believe one way you can mark out, chart, navigate what the Christian life looks like is the idea of an altar and that there are stages in your journey which could be marked by these different events. Now, historically, of course, an altar was where you came to a place where you would worship God, that you would love on God, that you would give him something to please him, and there would be communion. Often it was a blood sacrifice, and it cost you that reminder that something had to die in order for something to live. You understand? So, but not to be confused with the, all the other ancient near world type world views where the altar was actually, uh, the human beings being servant to the gods because the gods were hungry. So you, when you took your little lamb or your fruit and veggies and you put it on the altar, you did the barbecue, you were actually feeding the gods. This was never the Christian, the Judeo worldview. It was a place of communion. Uh, the next uh, slide, thank you. Um, very early uh, in Exodus chapter 20, 24 to 25, there are these regulations given for the early altars made. Uh, build me an altar made of earth and offer your sacrifices to me, your burnt offerings and your peace offerings. Now, burnt offering was something where there was some contrition. There was something that you were sorry for. There was some aspect of your life where you know you messed up and you were saying, God, I'm sorry. Do you know it's a really good thing to say sorry to God over and over? Who knows what I'm talking about? Please, high five. It's really important. Um, and peace offerings, there's more that fellowship side of it. You know, God, I just love you. I want to hang out with you. You know, God wants to hang out with you. Yeah, you. Not the person next to you, but you. <laughs> God loves to hang out with you. And your sheep and your goats and your cattle. Build me an altar wherever I may cause my name to be remembered. There are these places to build a memorial, a remembrance. We don't see a lot of Roger and Kath these days because they're having some health issues, some decline in their life and they're in that later phase after six years of marriage. I suppose it has some effect on you, but <laughs> um, no, it's probably more just being on the planet for quite so long. But if you ever go to Roger's house, he will show you his memorial. He's got it's like a little number of um, a bookshelf shelf there, and on it he can show you the ball bearings and the, 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 the things where God came through when he was in trouble when he went bankrupt, you know, when there was these times where it like everything was over. How God came through. He's built a memorial for it. What a great idea. Great idea. And then he goes on to say, if you use stones to build my altar, I was going to bring some stones today and actually have, you know, someone build me an altar while I preach this. I thought it would be a really good idea. But do you know how expensive stones are? They're expensive, man. I was looking about three or $400 to build you an altar. Anyway, so if you use stones to build my altar, use only natural uncut stones. 
Do not shape the stones with a tool, for that would make the altar unfit for holy use. Isn't that interesting? God wants the rough, the raw, the real. He just wants you and me. Some of us are just mud. Some of us are really hard mud. Some of us are rocks. <laughs> and God just wants us to be a part of that whole structure of the altar. Next slide. Oh, before we go, but um, you see the, what, the image on the that side? The, boy, we forgot what God said, didn't we? Because one now is about human ingenuity and gold and wealth and glory and power and stuff. And look, it, from an artistic cultural sense, well, I don't know if I want to have it in my house, but, you know, <laughs> I'd like to have the gold involved. But how, see how far we've moved from just the simple and the basic, you and contact with God versus the elaborate, the showy and the barriers involved. On the right-hand side, you this is what you do personally. On the left-hand side, there's a fence at the front and the laity, that's you and me, we can't go across the other side. There's now division being caused as a result. So the next slide, thank you. So I want to talk about four altars in the life of Abraham. So Abraham is the father of faith. You know, Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons said, Father Abraham, I am one of them. So are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right hand, left hand, da, 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 da. craziness. And everybody laughs and falls over. It's good. But we are Abraham's children, aren't we? And he, he actually was the father of the Abrahamic religions. And he's left us some examples. In fact, Romans actually says he left us these footsteps that we would follow him as the father of of our faith. So the first time we break into the story of Abraham, Genesis chapter 12, he's an Ur of the Chaldees, his father's an idol maker, and God says to him, Abraham, or Abram, he's not Abraham yet, he's just Abram, Abram, I've called you, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless the world through you. That's still the same deal. God hasn't changed his mind on that. God wants to bless you. Turn to your name and say, God wants to bless you. And he wants to bless you for a reason. And that reason is because he wants to bless others. He doesn't want you just to dam it up in your life. He wants it to go in you, to go through you. You understand? And that was the original plan that God had, is Abraham blessing. And so Abraham says, thank you. And he obeys God and he starts to move. So about Genesis 12, verse 7, he moves to Shechem. So he's now entering into the promised land and it says that there are Canaanites in the land and he builds an altar to God and he begins to praise the Lord. You know, when you first get saved, you know, you need to move from where you are to where you've got to go. God says, come, follow me, and you've got to follow him. And as you move into your Christian experience, one of the first things that we often experience is this a wonderful desire to praise God, to give him glory, to worship him. We discover that in the midst of trouble and Canaanites. Anybody still got a few Canaanites around you? Yeah, come on. Any walled cities, any giants in the land? Look, it's your promise, absolutely. It belongs to you, but you might have a few battles on the way. You understand? Do you hear what I'm saying? 
And so in that environment, what Abraham does, he builds an altar to praise God. Now that's a picture for us who in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 15 says, let us offer unto God the sacrifices of praise. Yeah, it's a sacrifice. But if you want to move from where you are into what God wants, somewhere on the way, you've got to dedicate an altar. I'm going to praise God. I am going to put the praise of God on my lips and it's a sacrifice of praise. That's one of the big keys. If you don't get there, then unfortunately, you're going to be praising other things. You're going to be praising your bank account, praising your partner, praising your boyfriend, praising... You'll be looking at other things to bring you pleasure. But if you want to grow, understand that the first altar you have to build is the altar of praise. Did I come to the right church today? Can I have just a little amen? Can I have a big amen? (laughs) All right. Try harder, Mike. (laughs) Next slide. Thank you. The next altar that he prays is a prayer altar. And so he now starts to move through the land of Palestine, Israel. Uh, you know, we know there's political controversy over that land now. And if you follow the narrative from Genesis 12 into 13, it says, and he journeyed and he moved and then he went through and then he passed through. So now there's movement in his life. He's going somewhere. He takes his tent and again, he gets into a place where there's now opposition in the land. The, the Canaanites are beginning to bring some real rub. And so what he does is that he builds another altar. It's a key. What do you do, guys, when you're under attack? What do you do when stuff goes bad? There is a time to build an altar to God for prayer. To absolutely say there is no way around this unless God comes to my defence. You know, as it is right now, uh, my poor sister's up at Armadale and she may not come home from the hospital. She's in a very ill state. But, you know, the challenge is what do you do? I can't fix it. I'm powerless to do anything. But you know what I can do? I can build an altar to God and I can press in. There are people here today, you need to build an altar for your marriage. You need to build an altar for your business. You need to build an altar. And I'm not talking about stones. I'm not saying run out down to Mazigas and getting 10 stones and anointing it with oil and all that stuff. But it's about that place where you and God get together and you have a dialogue and you, and you let some stuff go in order that you might grow. You hear me? Unless it hurts, it doesn't work. You know, you actually got to do some of the hard stuff to break through to go to those next levels. You've got to do the warfare. You've got to be able to pray through those sorts of circumstances. You know, he actually did pray. Uh, there's a famine in the land. So here he is. He's got a call from God. And he's done the praise. Hello, God, you're wonderful, beautiful. Thank you for blessing me. I love being blessed. (laughs) It's great being blessed. I'm happy to bless the others. If you keep blessing me, then his next altar, he's in there, there's trouble with the Canaanites, and a famine comes to the land. And in a famine, things are not so good. 
And sadly, here he does something really dumb. He builds his prayer altar, prays to God, and he goes down to Egypt. Dear Jesus. Did the wrong thing. Now, I get it. Pressure's on, uh, and and it's so much easier sometimes to think it through yourself. Yeah, come on. Think it through yourself. There's no food. There's a famine. But there's food down in Egypt. If we go down to Egypt, that's okay. But he actually stepped out of where he was meant to be. He walked down to Egypt and now things start to go from bad to worse. It doesn't get better. The moment you step out of the will of God, despite whatever you might believe, it doesn't get better. It just gets worse. And so then he finds himself now... Uh, you know, lying about his wife's identity, his wife being taken up into Pharaoh's harem. Not, not a good deal, amen? Things are going real bad. But God intervenes. Hallelujah. God loves Abraham. God has a plan for Abraham. And God will get Abraham back on track when he says yes. You still have to say yes. But there is the, the, the pull of God back. And so eventually Abraham comes back into the land of Canaan and uh, resettles. So aren't you glad that you can actually mess up stuff in God? Get off track a little bit. And he's the God of second chances. Isn't Isn't that a graceful God? Next slide, thank you. Then there's the peace altar. So Genesis 12, 13. Now as the story advances, he's come back now into the land and he's got Lot with him still. Lot's his nephew. And uh, it's an old preacher's joke, but I am an old preacher. <laughs> you know what was wrong with Abraham? A lot, a lot yeah. <laughs> All the old people have heard it before. Huh? What was a lot, sorry. Yeah, his nephew's name was Lot. So a lot, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I was just trying to explain it to this very attractive lady. Um, so peace altar. So what happens is uh, there's this conflict going on between Lot and his herdsmen and Abraham and his herdsmen because there's just too many, there's not enough water and stuff, there's a conflict going on. And here's a great life key. Do you know one way to have peace in your life is not to have to try and win everything. Some of the things you have to do is just actually say, is it worth fighting over? Is it really worth it? I've seen a minister destroy his ministry and his life and his family because of an issue with a fence and a neighbor. Now, you would think I would never do that. But, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, the naughty, terrible, evil people next door would deliberately light fires. So the smoke would come over and every time that they'd wash the clothes, you know. And so then they trimmed his tree that was hanging over and the trees died. Years of court cases, bitterness, vitriol. Sometimes you just need to say, Lord, I give it to you. So here's the principle. Look at me. Look at me. Come on, look at me. Put your phones away. Put your phones away. Look at me. It's important you get this. Abraham says to Lot, what do you want? And Lot says, well, I'll take this bit. looks really good to me. And that in the natural looks like a loss, doesn't it? Abraham's the senior. He's, he's the uncle. 
He has the rights. He's the leader of the clan. He's the leader of the family. He should get what he wants. But Abraham actually does something incredibly wise and doesn't fight for it. So what do you want? And in doing so, what happens is Lot ends up picking what looks like the best, ends up being the worst. (laughs) Come on, say amen. Something what looks good can end up being real bad sometimes. And then, but because he gave that away in grace, then God says, well, Abraham, guess what? I want to show you now. Everything you see now belongs to you. Hallelujah. All the rest is yours. And Abraham built an altar and dwelt in peace. Sometimes people do not live in peace because they just fight everything. They want everything their way. They want their rights. They want their rights. They want their rights. They want their rights. Well, you know what? Jesus gave up all his rights to make me right. He was prepared to be made wrong in order that I can be made right. So part of being like Jesus, part of being a Christian, is you always have to be right. You don't always have to win. But God will always come along and make it better and bless it. Peace, peace, peace. Okay, last slide. Oh, second last slide, I think. And the provision altar. So now here's the journey. He's began in obedience to follow the voice of God. He's now built an altar for praise. I will sacrifice praise unto God. He's now gone into place. I will sacrifice prayer for God. Some of you just need to know the power that when it's bad, spend a whole night just seeking God. Not 10 minutes, not microwave, but passionate, pursuing, powerful prayer. Then out of that, he moves into the next phase of then developing peace. He starts to handle his relationships better and God still blesses him. And then ultimately God says this, now I want Isaac, your one and only son. Bring your Isaac. So we we read of this story. It's the first mention of the word worship in the Bible. You know, come, let us go and worship. So there's something about an altar that actually is very much around this whole idea of not only praise and of prayer, but of this deep worship. The person being tested on this altar is not Isaac, but Abraham. Abraham, do you really love me? Do you really trust me? Do you really obey? Because we can say we do until the tests come and then we run the other way. Did you hear about the time when there's this very faithful group of older believers who meet in this Anglican church and they're praying. There's only a handful of them. And then there's this terrible thunderstorm one day outside. I mean, the, the heavens open and there's lightning and there's thunder. And unfortunately, this man who was on his way to a fancy dress ball is actually caught in the rain and he's dressed as Satan. The man in the red suit and little fork and stuff. And, and so this lightning's going like this all the time. And all of a sudden, you know, he just runs into the church seeking some sort of refuge and stuff. And so he stands at the door. The doors are flown open. The lightning goes. And there's this man in his little red suit there. And the little old lady's been praying there for 20 years. He says, don't hurt me. I've always been on your side. You know, we'll only be tested, not in the hard times, but in the easy times. Hey, where, anybody ever been to school? Two of you have. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> you 
Anybody ever been to university? Yeah. You know how you go to the next level? You pass a test. How do you go to the next level? You pass a test. Who wants to grow in God? Or four, no, no, fantastic. Well, guess what? God's going to give you some instructions. He's going to give you some training. And then what you get to do is to sit a test. And if you don't pass the test, guess what happens? And you go right around that mountain. And you've got to sit that class again and sit that test again. I'm sorry. I'm just telling you the truth. The provision altar. But it's powerful, isn't it? So here, I really hope you hear me. Abraham gives up his life and his future, which is invested in typical form in his son Isaac. He puts it all onto the altar and says, God, I will love you anyway. And you're not going to like me for this, but some of you need to put your relationships on the altar. You need to put your businesses on the altar. You need to put your children on the altar. You need to put the big things there and say, God, I will love you. I will worship you, whatever you choose to do. You know why? Because I know if I've got the knife and if I kill it, if I kill it, God, you can still make it live for me. You're able to make it live for me. That, that, that's, not a, that's not five minutes. That's actually the deep workings of God. We have given it all to God. One of the things that really helps me to be, I think, reasonably resilient in my relationship is that I actually gave my life to Jesus. Some, got to do the sums. Don't have enough hands and fingers anymore. 42 years ago, whatever it was. No, no, it was more than that. 46 years ago. I gave my life to Jesus and he still has it. It's not my life. For me to live is Christ to die, is gain. So he still gets to tell me what to do. Now, I'll fight him over that and I'll sometimes be stubborn and I'll sometimes go screaming and have a filthy attitude about it at the end of the day I have given my life to Jesus and he's still got it but I find that he'll do that once at the altar of praise will you praise me in these circumstances I've got a lot going on in my life right now which I could be really depressed about my default setting is depression but I choose to praise God I've got a few things in my world that I really need some significant breakthrough in the area of prayer well I still choose to pray and to trust God and then I've got some issues where people are cross at me and angry with me. And that's just my wife. No, no. <laughs> well, I can function in peace. I can choose the way of peace. I can get aggressive. Thank you, Jesus, that you got rid of that in me. Otherwise, there'd be dead bodies. And I can also go into the next things. God, even though I've done that, and I've done that, and I've done that, Lord, I'll give it all to you again. Lord, you are my Jehovah Jireh. You are my provision. Provision. Say vision. 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 Some of us get that vision only at that fourth altar. So the last slide. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Ashley Crane's been a friend of the house for a number of years. He's a 
tripping around Israel. Uh, I told him he's, he's like a, he's happy as a pig in mud, which to say to a Messianic Jew probably is not the best thing to say, but I do have one of those unfortunate senses of humour. And he's married a new girl called Anna. I can say her name backwards, Anna. And, uh, and it's, it's great. I'm really pleased for Ashley. Being through a lot of hurt, terrible journey of his wife, finally dying, being healed of one cancer, then dying of another cancer. You know, that's, you know, that's tough, tough, tough. But now he's in a new space, new wife in Israel, getting to show everybody the wonders of the archaeology. But he sent me this photo the other day of one of the, um, the stone altars. Uh, this one was actually found at uh, Tel Bathsheba. Uh, there's one in Dan as well. And uh, it is uh, back, thanks. Can we go backwards, thanks? Sir? And uh, this is what they call one of the altars of convenience. So as the uh, Jewish religion developed momentum and faith, it became illegal for you to have an altar anywhere apart from at the central altar in Jerusalem. And so they'd build, the people would often build their own altars in the high places. And there's a principle in that. There is a place where we are meant to build a corporate altar together. You know, we just can't all do our own thing, you know. As much as is that personal space that you've got to take responsibility for, there's also that corporate responsibility for God. Here is Champion Lakes Christian Church, this faith family, and Lord, we want to be a place that offers up the sacrifice of praise. We want to be a place where we offer up, you know, the sacrifice of prayer, the sacrifice of the peace offering, and the sacrifice of provision. Just not the altar of convenience. You know, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll go where it's close and it's easy and whatever. Do it my way. You know, watch God on the TV, all that sort of stuff. There's a place where we do the altar together in one place, okay? So last slide. Thank you. If I can get my team up, uh, my worship team. My worship team. Last slide, thank you. Quick. Um, We're just going to... um, It's terrible. That went half an hour. I'll keep trying. It's okay. That went terrible. Uh, let's do break every chain. Thank you. Now, just just before we start this, if you really don't want to worship God, you don't really want to individually take responsibility for connecting with Him. Now, um, I'm going to release you of the blessing of God. Okay. This is not a time for you just to sit, to dawdle, to be an automatic. If you want to go, that's fine. No condemnation, no guilt. But I'm just saying for the next five minutes, this is for you, for me, to build an altar of praise, prayer, peace and provision as we individually. Forget about the person next to you. Person by-